Why don't you just pray? Why don't you just pray? Uh, Those were the words of Clint Eastwood in one of his more famous Wild Wild West movies. Clint, the famous cowboy, had been tracking this group of filthy bandits for miles, day and night, and finally he stumbled upon a small chapel in the outback, and the bandits had just raided it, stolen the money from the offering box, shaken up the local priest, and now they were just a few miles ahead down the road trying to get away. The camera zooms in on Clint, who does one of his steely stares as he looks far into the distance. The priest behind him, he's preparing to set off guns on his hip to dish out some justice. And suddenly the priest calls from behind to Clint, Mr. Eastwood, Mr. Eastwood, what can I do? What can I do? And Clint turns back and stares at him rather dismissingly and says, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just pray? And much of our world's view of prayer can be summed up in that one word, just. Just pray. Our world today, much of it sees prayer as a rather pathetic and desperate action. It's seen as unimportant. It's seen as a last resort. It's seen as something to do when all the other options have been exhausted. And for us as Christians, we can slip into that way of thinking. I know that personally. Now, I trust there are a good number of us here this morning who currently pray regularly. We find it to be a great blessing to speak openly and honestly to our Heavenly Father, to be casting our daily burdens onto Him. And yet for many of us, in the midst of the busyness of our day-to-day lives, with so many things calling for our attention, we struggle to, to make time to pray. And sometimes we might even wonder, is it really worth it? We wonder what we should pray for and why we should spend time praying anyway. Today we're going to be taking a break, as you've probably guessed from our series in First Chronicles. And this morning we're going to be looking at the topic of prayer. We're going to look at some examples of prayer from the scriptures to give us an idea of what we should be praying and why it is such a healthy and vital habit for us as God's people. But let me assure you from the start that if prayer is a struggle for you, you are in good company. Let's start with confession, prayers of confession. We confess as we will in a moment. We confess our sins every week together as a church family here at SMAC. Why is that a healthy thing for us to do on a regular basis, even when we are not at church? And I think the parable that we had just read to us helps us see why. If you haven't opened your Bibles, do open them again at Luke 18. Uh, Jesus gives us this parable of two men who both go to the temple at the same time. One morning, there's a Pharisee and a tax collector. And what they pray reveals where their hearts are before God. We have the Pharisee's prayer in verse 11. Read with me in verse 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. 
So this Pharisee, he is very sure of himself. He, he feels superior to others in his integrity and in his generosity, especially towards this other man standing by him on the temple steps, this tax collector, verse 13, who fears to even draw near. All he can pray, we're told, standing far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So he is penitent. Uh, he is realistic about his situation before God because he knows the kind of life that he has lived. He knows that there's nothing he can do in and of himself given his sin to come into God's presence without fear. He knows he's dependent on God's mercy. Unlike the self-righteous Pharisee, he's blind to his own shortcomings. He's actually blinded by his sin because in the pride of his heart, he thinks he is so great that he is full of contempt for others. You see how he judges the tax collector at the end of his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, even like this tax collector. And so he despises his neighbor. Despite Jesus' warning that to seek God, what does that really mean? To seek to please him is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that's not what the Pharisee does. It's what the tax collector, having confessed his sin, Having relied on God's mercy, he leaves justified right before God. But the Pharisee departs without mercy. He is blinded in his sin and he's culpable for it. Friends, confessing our sin regularly, both as a church but also individually, it helps us maintain a healthy view of our standing before God, always. It helps us be mindful that, yes, we are those who have come saved by his grace, but we are unworthy sinners. We are those who, like the tax collector, have failed to love God and our fellow man, and our only hope is God's mercy. See, as Christians, unlike some might believe, as Christians we don't believe that God listens to and answers our prayers on the basis that we are good people before him, you know, who do right by him, like uh, Ned Flanders, you know, I like to mention him a lot, Ned Flanders and The Simpsons coming up. The Goody Two-Shoes Christian parody, uh, Ned does good by God and God does good by Ned. That is not the Christian basis for prayer. We believe the only reason we can approach God and trust that he will hear us, that he will receive us, is because he has first worked to show us the mercy we don't deserve in his Son. God is the one who has drawn close to us as he came to us in the person of Christ the one who lived the life that we failed to live, the one who died the death that we deserve for our sin, that we might in him have hope. We might be reconciled to God in every way. And so we can pray to God now, yes, and we can know that God hears us, yes, because Christ has opened up the way again. If we know this new life of God and his Son, if we've bowed the knee to Christ as Lord, well, then it's right that we continue recognizing our dependence on Christ. We continue confessing our sin and relying on him each day. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Pharisee deceived himself, didn't he? In John's words, he did not belong to the truth. He, he was apart from God because he was blind to the reality of his sin, had no concern to confess it, and instead despised his neighbor. 
the tax collector confessed realistically, I am a sinner. And so again, in John's words, he was one who was forgiven, cleansed from all unrighteousness. Why? Because he depended on God's mercy. The danger for us as Christians is as we fail to make a healthy habit of confessing sin, we might in the end lose sight of sin and our need for God's mercy altogether. We, We start to think we're pretty good like the Pharisee. We start to think, I'm not that sinful. Well, certainly compared to him or her or him or her. Tell ourselves we're better, just like the Pharisee. To the point that instead of repenting, we just wallow blindly in our sin. We, our hearts are hardened before God. We are slow to repent. And so that when we do eventually fail in sin, and we will fail, we're slow to rely on God's mercy again. Confess sin regularly. That will keep us both from pride and despair. It will keep us dependent on Christ as we grow in our love for him. And so our battle against sin will grow as well. As we love him all the more as Lord. As we realize how much better the freedom his reign over our lives brings. Saving us from the miserable sins that bring nothing but despair. We'll be that much more thankful. And that is the second type of prayer we're going to look at, thanksgiving. I think this is one of the greatest weaknesses in my own prayer life, personally. Uh, we live in a just-in-time culture that is so action-orientated, that is so we've got to get the next thing now before it even comes. So as soon as the iPhone 8 comes out, we're already finding out what's going to be on the iPhone 10. In the midst of our busy schedules, we struggle to make time, reflect, and simply give thanks to God. And that is tragic because so many of the prayers in Scripture are about giving right thanks to God. The Psalms are full of thanks to God. Paul's prayers are full of thanks to God. Christ himself thanked his heavenly Father routinely. It just makes sense for us as God's people if our lives really are intended to be one act of continuous worship and thanksgiving to God then why would we not be giving thanks in response to his grace? Why would we not be praying that out each day? It helps us to remain mindful that come rain or shine, we have life in Christ. Even in the face of death, we have life. And I know that when I'm slow to thank God, it's usually because I'm losing sight of that. I'm losing sight of the eternal security that is mine in Christ. I'm too focused on the smaller, pettier things in life. So I'll wake up in the morning one day. I've had a great sleep. Uh, The dog, the kids, for once, didn't wake me, or Melissa, who didn't wake me. It's great weather outside. Cloud, yes, but warm and dry, no rain, not too hot, it's just right. Traffic on the way to work is light, no one cuts me up. I get into the office and Andrew has brewed my favorite coffee. It's just sitting there on the table waiting for me. All my appointments go well that day. Everybody turns up on time for once. They're a delight to be with. I managed to get all my work done efficiently. Working day goes well. I go home again. There's little traffic. I head home, have a great dinner with Melissa and the kids. We have good conversation. We relax. We watch a movie. And so before I go to sleep that night, I get down on my knees and I pray, Oh, Father, you are so majestic and loving and compassionate. Thank you for the joy and the privilege of serving you and knowing you and your son. Praise be to you forever and ever. Thank you for this day. Amen. And with a huge grin on my face, 
I put my head on my pillow and go to sleep. And then comes the next day. It's raining outside. I've got a throbbing headache because Talia woke up three times in the night. Get into the car, traffic is horrendous. A bike clips my side mirror, got to go and repair that now. I get in late, we've run out of coffee. All my appointments are late, I get half of what I plan to do done, head home, more roadworks. My wife is in an equally bad mood, having had an equally bad day, there's no food in the fridge, Domino's takes two hours to deliver a cold hardened pizza. I get ready for bed, I sit down and I pray, dear God, thanks for today, please help me to sleep, amen. <laughs> and in that sulky mood, I just try to get some shut eye. And we laugh, but it's true, isn't it? I know it. It is a totally unchristian way of praying, but we are prone to it. Our thankfulness to God being dependent on the everyday circumstances in our lives. And friends, if at any point we feel we have no or little reason to give thanks to God, whatever circumstances we, we might be facing, and yes, some of them can be very serious, I know, but as soon as we think that we have no reason to thank God whatsoever, we are losing sight of reality. Uh, that God has not only given us life, the, the air that we breathe, but he has given us such unmeasured grace. He has given us his son. He has given us an eternal inheritance that is unfading, that will never change whatever we might be facing tomorrow. Paul can write in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always. Pray without, without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks all the time, because God knows what he is doing all the time. Paul knew that God was working in every circumstance of his life, pleasant and painful, and boy did Paul know painful times. But God was working for his good. And Paul expressed that back to God in thankfulness. When he was falsely accused and beaten severely for preaching the gospel in Philippi, he was thrown into a foul prison cell. And let me just read Acts 16.25. What are Paul and his fellow worker Silas found doing about midnight? Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in prison. Because they knew God was still in control. They knew God was still worthy of praise, and through that situation, God did work to plant the church in Philippi by Paul's witness, a church that would go on to support Paul in his further gospel ministry for years to come. Friends, our thanksgiving must not change like the weather. We will always be in God's debt for his awesome love to us in Christ, and we can trust that though times can be very painful, yes, Though we doubt at times, God is sovereign and he is at work in the good and the bad for our good, our ultimate good, which is to grow us up more and more in the likeness of his son. That was Paul's priority as he gave thanks to God, both for himself but for others as well. Second Thessalonians 1. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because firstly, your faith is grown abundantly. And secondly, the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your, thirdly, steadfast love, faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. You see how Paul gives thanks for this church? He's thankful that they are standing firm despite 
the painful times, the opposition they're facing. He's thankful that their faith is growing. He sees that because they are loving one another in the midst of the battle. Maybe just think for ourselves, when was the last time we thanked God privately for one another? For the love that we see witnessed here as we seek to serve one another in Christ. Thanking God for those who go and support brothers and sisters as they attend non-Christian funerals. Thanking God for GG leaders who put all their efforts into preparing studies for our spiritual benefit. Thanking God for those, all of us, serving on a Sunday, serving one another, formally and informally, to make these gatherings possible and edifying for our faith. That we might be growing up together in the body of Christ. For me, personally, so often I find I fail to simply give thanks to God for the work he's doing in and through us as a church because I am too focused on the other smaller, less important matters. God, Paul gives thanks to God for the Thessalonians' faith shown in love because he knew it would turn out for their eternal benefits. And it's this eternal perspective that shaped the way that Paul prayed. So we come to a petitions. If you're anything like me, Often, your prayers will be concerned with matters of the moment. So this morning, I prayed for strength to get everything arranged for the service, to support Melissa as she helps to get the kids ready as well. Prayed for smooth traffic on the way down here to church so I'm not held up, so Chilung can relax a little bit. And that's fine. God wants us to surrender our daily burdens to him. And doing that helps us to remember God is in control, whatever might happen. But... As we take the priorities of his word to bear, if we're doing that, our petitions won't just be concerned with matters of the moment, like a constructive family morning or the removal of traffic jams. We will praise wisely, broadly, for the long term as well. Praying for ourselves and one another in the light of God's eternal kingdom to come. We've got a great example of this in Paul's prayer that we just saw. As Paul gave thanks for this church, as he mentioned their persecutions and hardships. Here, verse 3 again. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and the inflictions that you are enduring. But then see what Paul prays for this church, having just made this remark later in verse 11. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So Paul's immediate reaction, having heard about the troubles this church is facing, is not, oh God, please take all their problems away. There's nothing wrong with praying against the persecution of God's people today. We do that here at SMAC regularly. But Paul also shows he has a greater priority in his petitions of prayer. Above all, that this church remain worthy to their calling, whatever they might face, that that they remain members of God's eternal kingdom through faith in his son with eternal priorities on their hearts. I remember hearing about a church prayer meeting in the US that caused quite a stir. Uh, This group had started to pray for fellow members of the church who weren't well. One lady, uh, they were told, was dying of terminal cancer. And she wasn't actually in the meeting. It was just a group of ladies praying for her. And so the group was sitting in a circle. They took in turns to pray for uh, one, uh, each of the people mentioned and praying particularly for this woman. And one by one, their prayers were pretty much the same. They prayed, Lord, please remove this cancer in your mercy. Relieve this burden of suffering in your mercy. And the prayers went on like that from person to person. Then it came to one lady 
who happened to be the wife of Don Carson, who happens to be preaching at Smack 2 tonight, by the way. <laughs> Don's wife prayed something along these lines. She prayed, Lord, we do pray that in your mercy you might relieve this woman of her suffering, you might restore her body to health. But we also pray that if that is not your will, you would please help her to die well. And the looks that she got from the other women in that prayer meeting praying that, we pray that she would die well. But I think that was a very helpful thing for that woman to pray, both for the woman concerned and also for that wider group, for her group to hear. Because she knew the prayers of Paul. She knew the greater priority than the physical welfare for us as Christians. Nothing wrong with praying for that. But for this woman dying of cancer, her greatest need was still that she would remain secure in Christ. In her darkest hours, she would look to him for hope and assurance. That's the number one priority, whether she is cured or not. Her unwavering faith in Jesus, which would bring forth eternal life. How often do we allow the eternal realities that we have been made aware of by God's grace to shape the way we pray? Are our prayers constantly consumed with the things of the here and now or our immediate physical well-being? As if this life is the only life we have to live for? Our every stake is bound up here and now? No, Paul prays that the Thessalonians would live lives worthy of their calling. That their, their work of faith that they seek to do would be empowered by God and so might be a blessing unto others for eternal life. He's not primarily concerned with their physical well-being. He's concerned with their eternal well-being. One of these days, the Thessalonians, like us, would stand before God's throne and rejoice, having trusted in Jesus who dealt with their every sin to be declared friends with God and brought into his kingdom, their faith proven genuine. Funnily enough, in a way that wouldn't have been possible had they not endured those same trials in the first place and persevered through them, showing themselves faithful to Christ. God's chief priority for every one of us, no matter what we might be facing in the here and now, and the greatest love he could show us is to make us more and more like his son, who endured, remained faithful, and now knows life at the Father's side. A while ago, I read the testimony of Brother Yun. He's a mainland Chinese Christian, and he suffered uh, greatly in the 80s and the 90s under the communist regime for his faith. And when he was asked by other Christians in uh, other parts of the world, look, what can we pray for you and pray for your church? This is what he said as one suffering at that time. Do not pray for the persecution to stop. We should not pray for a lighter load to carry, but a stronger back to endure. That's very strong. Very stark words. But he wrote that because, like Paul, Brother Yun prioritized eternal well-being over temporal well-being. He had God's priorities at heart for the sake of his neighbors, that when necessary they would endure suffering with Christ as Lord that would turn out for glory and honor and a powerful witness to the gospel. Are we doing that in our prayers for ourselves, for one another? Yes, by all means pray for those who are sick that they might be restored by God's grace, they might be relieved of their burdens, by all means, pray for justice in Malaysia and abroad. That is a good thing. But pray with the long run in mind as well. Pray with eternal priorities that whether we are sick or well, we know Christ as Lord 
whether others are sick or well, they know Christ as Lord. We've looked at three areas of prayer this morning. Confession, thanksgiving and petition. We should ask ourselves, I mean, do these prayers mark our day-to-day lives? Not just here at Smack on a Sunday, but is this one of the good, healthy habits that we're known for throughout the week? Oh, maybe we are praying regularly, but we've seen today that there, maybe we need to adopt some more biblical priorities. We're quick to confess our sins, but we're slow to give thanks. We're thankful, but we need to adopt a bit more of an eternal perspective in our prayers. Whatever the challenge it is for you personally, if regular healthy prayer is a struggle, again, you are in good company. And if it's been lacking of late, then the best thing we can do is start and start small. This is what John Piper observes. Habitual prayer tends to give rise to habitual prayer. As our dependence on the desire for communion with our Father grows, the more we bring ourselves into his presence. I hope and trust, as believers this morning, we do have a desire to pray. But we also know that this is one area in our lives where we could just do with a helping hand. So I want to close by recommending a phone app. I don't normally do this. I'm going to recommend a phone app this morning that I've personally found really useful in making a good habit of daily prayer. It's called, appropriately, PrayerMate. PrayerMate. You might have seen it. It's free. It's available on all of the major mobile platforms or your iPad or whatever. And this very simple, straightforward app, it helps you to list down and keep track of what you are and what you might be praying for. And it also has these feeds that give you a bit of information about what you could be praying for, both at home and abroad, current issues and wider issues as well. What I'm going to try and do in the coming weeks is I'm going to try and set up a feed specifically for us here at Smack that if you download the app, you can tap into so that you're kept up to date in the things that we can be praying for that we're aware of here at St. Mary's. And if that works well, we might even roll it out to the rest of the cathedral. Above all, as God's people, let's be making the most of this awesome blessing. Being able to speak freely to the God who holds all things in his hands as our Heavenly Father reconciled back to him by the blood of his Son. He longs to hear our prayers. He longs to answer them according to his perfect will. So friends, let's be prayerful. And let's pray. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great blessing and provision of prayer that we have this awesome blessing of being able to speak to you freely and openly as our Heavenly Father in response to the great love that you have shown us in your Son. We thank you that he has opened up the way. We thank you that we can now bear this mark that shows our faith genuine, that we have genuine relationship by your Spirit with you as we pour out our hearts As we pray, confess, we give thanks, and we petition you day by day. And Father, you know our personal struggles in this area. Help us, we pray. Help us to do what we know we need to do in order to make a healthy habit of prayer in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.